This week, we're revealing some amazing stories and clips and unheard gems from our Pageant Pod interviews. Yes, we've just been doing so much journalism over here, or just typing on the computers. Um, We couldn't fit it all into the first six episodes. We've got new interviews from Mimi Marks and Sasha Colby, two iconic showgirls. And one particularly jaw-dropping story of drag queen gown mopping incidency. Wow. We have a DQGMI, a DQGMI (laughs) reporting live. We love drag, we love pageants, and we love ourselves a little bit of pageant. the great wine vineyards of Kimberly Crawford. She not only is a spokesmodel, but a customer herself. Hailing from Hollywood, California, IA, she's your I'll Take an Ice Cube in Mine, Alaska. And representing Bottom Pride worldwide, she's your double Scorpio diva, here to remind you that where there's a Willem, there's a way. She's your Miss Two Hits and It Fits International Sweetheart. It's... Willow! Good evening, panel of distinguished listeners, and welcome back to Pageant Pod, which we lovingly call Patch Pod. In this eight-episode limited series podcast, we are exploring the fabulous and dramatic history of drag pageants and how these queer institutions helped shape drag culture. Today is a very fun episode as we are nearing the end of our limited series and still we have so much more to share and to talk about. I have more to show. I'm not ready to go. (laughs) Uh, Candy, wait. (laughs) And rather than focus on one specific pageant system today, we wanted to share with you all some bonus interviews and clips that haven't made it to the pod yet because they were just too special. Exactly. And while making this show, we got to talk with so many incredible and legendary queens, and we didn't want to leave these amazing gems and stories on the cutting room floor. So we put together a compilation of some extra clips to share with you here tonight. The category is Clip Show. Amazing sound bites from legendary queens that didn't quite fit into the first six episodes. So (laughs) we're going to spit on them and shove them in here. And I hope you like it. Let's get into it. (laughs) Clip show. Um, show. Let's start with a throwback to drag girl groups. I I know that you've heard of drag girl groups, Willem. Um, You've heard of a few of them. Uh, We both know a little something about the world of drag girl groups. And when we spoke with Tasha Cole... She shared with us about her experience in The Fabulous Four. Mm -hmm. The Fabulous Four, just to recap, ruled the drag scene in Houston in the early 1980s at a club called The Copa. The original four were Miss Tiffany Jones, Miss Naomi Sims, Donna Day, and Hot Chocolate. Shout out Larry Mm. Edwards. Hey, girl. Hey. Toward the end of 83, Tiffany had been booked for the next summer in P-Town, and Tasha Cole was brought in to place her. And then Tasha Cole shared a little bit about her experience with us. Mm. Roll that beautiful bean footage. And then, of course, being part of the Fab Four was just an incredible experience, as you can imagine. Yeah, we're both friends with Hot Chocolate still. We see her at a lot Why? of gigs. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Chocolate and I, we are like, you know, we lived through that whole AIDS crisis and everything. And literally, she and I are like the only two left of... I just can't tell you how many 
of our friends and peers. So we're very close in that respect that we were always friends, but now we're kind of like the only two. <laughs> you know, Willem and I have dabbled in being in a girl group ourselves, a girl group or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about the Fab Four. Oh my gosh, that was just such an incredible um, opportunity for me. And I, I wound up, I wound up being friends with Naomi Sims because my boyfriend at the time was best friends with her dancer and one of her best friends. So we got acquainted kind of before we got acquainted in drag. Um, but I, I, I think it was right after I won Miss Southwest of America, they got me a booking at the Copa. Uh, her and Donna and I became real close really quickly. Um, and I, I went over so well that night. I got, I got a, a, a callback on my first number, two callbacks on my second number, and then like three callbacks and a standing ovation Damn. on my last number. And it was just, I, I, I just couldn't believe it because like I said, I'm this little nobody from nowhere trying to figure out what I'm doing. And I was just so fortunate and blessed. But anyway, Gene Howell called me into the office after the show and asked if I would be interested um, in coming to work there. And at the time, Tiffany Jones was still alive. And so they were the Fab Four. So he asked me to come on board and he cleared it with the girls. Tiffany wasn't very happy about it because she was a white girl and she also did comedy. And she was also very much a boy out of drag. So she felt like I was kind of infringing for her on gig. her shtick, which mm. I totally wasn't because I didn't even know Tiffany Jones till I started <laughs> really. Because like I said, it, it was also new to me. But um, so I went on board and they, they, we became the, the Fantastic Five. And mm. then later that year is when Tiffany got sick. And Tiffany was the first person that I ever knew to get AIDS and then, in fact, to mm. consequentially die of AIDS. Um, a lot of people thought that I replaced Tiffany Jones. Like it's been written in some of the books that Tiffany died and I replaced her at the, at the Fab Four. And that's that's not true. I worked with Tiffany actually for almost two years. Mm. Um, and then when Tiffany, so then we were the fa- Fantastic Five. It became Tiffany Jones presents the Fab Four. And then Tiffany died and we went back to the Fab Four. But that's when I started doing some country and a lot of comedy and uh, rock and roll was always the thing for me I loved. And and I loved like sick, twisted stuff too. So, and nobody was really doing stuff like that back then. Everybody was trying to be pretty and real for the most part. So, and that was fun for me in the pageants for a while, but then you get tired of being just a pretty girl. Although that was, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> just don't... take a sip of the tea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mom's the word. <laughs> We were so excited to speak with Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington after her name came up so much in our conversations with every other queen. Everyone has, everyone cannot talk about pageantry without referencing Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington. And during our interview with her, we were actually able to play her a clip of Asia O'Hara speaking about Alexis's influence on her drag career. Um, It was a beautiful moment. So let's take a listen. We recently interviewed Asia O'Hara and uh, she she basically said the, the reason she wanted to do drag was because of you and your iconic Josephine Baker talent from 1997. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, 
we we have a you're, the you're. clip if she wants alexis would you like to hear asia yes. talk about this experience <laughs> yes okay i'm gonna play it here to me, the most iconic thing to ever happen in pageantry, unfortunately, is not on YouTube. So if anybody is hearing this and if anybody has the video, please post it. Um, um, Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington, who uh, is uh, from Jacksonville, Florida, she won Miss Gay USA in 2002. And that this was the night that I decided, like, I wanted to do drag. Um, but she did this huge over-the-top Josephine Baker production. There was a bird mm. cage, feathers. She had the staircase. She did the costume change. She had the blue dress. She did the, the scene where the zipper comes un, comes bust, uh, bust in her dress and costume changes, the banana skirt, a million dancers, feathers, rhinestones. It was the <laughs> most glamorous and most iconic moment to me ever in drag. This sounds and very I you. It is very, it is, yeah. it is very me. I will never be able to do it justice. Um, but I had seen drag for probably a year prior to this. And I um, was in the audience with some friends and I liked drag. I wasn't doing drag yet. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? This is the Super Bowl of drag. She comes, she's in the birdcage, in the feathers. And I was like, this is great. It closes, it reopens. She's in a blue gown with the white gloves, uh-huh. doing SOS Felicidad. It closes, it reopens. She's in a new costume. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and then to know that this queen financed, choreographed, designed, mixed, oh. sewed, feathered, rhinestoned every single part of this production blows my mind. To this day, it still blows my mind. And she I'm, probably welded that cage too. Yeah, yeah, she probably did. Like if you, Alexis Gabrielle Shannon to me is the most iconic drag queen ever, ever. Yeah. And I think the tenacity of of drag performers as a whole, like for me, lives and breathes in that moment, knowing that that was that grand, um, and knowing that every single part of it was done with her own hands for. I think she said a year and a half, she prepared rhinestoning every dancer's costume, the shoes, the bow ties, the gloves, feathering the fans, oh. building the cage. And then to like know that you had the like audacity to pack all of that into a truck and drive it across the country for a drag pageant, I, I, it blows my mind. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was very humbling. <laughs> I mean that that's the power of drag. You you took yeah. a simple wow. faggot from the audience and inspired him and changed her her whole life and she started drag because of you and you were the shining example, you know? Oh, give me one moment. <laughs> oh, that really just really touched me only because I mean, I know Asia and like even though she's discussed that with me before, just hearing it it really puts into perspective what what we set out to do with this art form mm-hmm. and when you can inspire someone yep. like that and and hear it and now witness all of her hard work that she's did and her dedication and knowing that she has something to do with that that really means so hard <laughs> that's oh. tea that that's like you don't even know the extent of the impact and how many other people like you've inspired by doing what you do oh okay 
that was such a touching moment, honestly. It was. And in a, in it was a wild, beautiful. In a it... wild, wild ostrich feather bow whipping frenzy turn of events, this performance clip has actually surfaced on YouTube. Girl, and a- the patch pot will do it. Patch pot will give it every time. <laughs> Asia mentioned she didn't know if it existed, but we want to watch it now, and we will share this on Forever Dog YouTube channel pageant pod playlist as well. Uh, so oh we're going to watch gosh. it and just give it our reaction. Queens watching oh Queens. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is one of those moments. It's like it's like every moment from pageantry exists on a tape somewhere in somebody's on somebody's shelf. So this is like an amazing moment that this can be unearthed and we can we can take a look at it. Oh my gosh. What do we got? Ah. Uh. Oh. Jesus Christ. The feather fa- there's like 87 white feather fans. She's in a moving gazebo that's covered in flowers. Organic flowers. How many dancers? Eight? Six right now. They're dressed in all white. They've got feather headpieces, feather fans. She just stepped out of the gazebo. The gazebo rolls backwards and disappears. Fanography. Oh, she lifts. somebody lifted her. She lifts. Oh, my good God. Oh, my God. Outfit change. The blue gown. She's a gorgeous blue gown. She's taking us. Oh, my God. Girl, the only person who's ever held a candle to this Josephine Baker is probably Lynn Whitfield in the HBO movie. T. Oh, this is banana skirts. Girl, she's taking us on an entire journey around the world. We are waiting for her to reemerge in another oh, look. The dancers come back. There she is. Honey. She's about to make banana pudding out of that skirt, too. She's whipping her hips all over. Those bananas are going to be busted. She is wonderful. Okay, now she has... Is this... Wait, is now this she has all 10 dancers. one... Is this all one talent number? Yes! She literally has taken us around the world. We also talked a lot about the judging process at these pageants. There's always someone who claims that things were a little bit rigamorous. Um, there's always a judge who doesn't like a queen or a queen who doesn't like a judge. But is it rigory or just personal bias? Or is it favoritism? Here's what we heard on this topic. Here's Tamisha Iman. There's been a judge that seems to want to just pick out how they want to judge. Like, this one particular judge was so anal with me, trying to help me lose the pageant. When I was walking on the stage, he was trying to see up under my gown to see if it was live. And I clocked. So I started (laughs) slow walking. You know, know, I'm going to slow it down because maybe I'm going too fast. So when I lost the pageant, like, this is me. I'm being honest. So when I lost the page, I got first run up like I normally do. Um, they were announcing like, okay, they were crowning the, the winner. By the time 
the girl had got her crown on her head completely. I have completely left the stage in the process of taking off all of my clothes because I said, I'm going to beat his ass. So I goes down and mind <sighs> you, they're still clapping for the girls. Before he know it, he looks to the left and I'm saying, let me see your scores, baby. And he was like, <laughs> what? I was like, I just need to see your gown score. So he was like, at first he was like, I'm not giving you a gown score. So I instantly took my wig off. I said, dude, this look like I'm playing. Oh my God. So we get the gal scores and I lost the pageant because of his score. So um, I, I, I did not fight him because he left the building when I turned my back, but I was going to. So I'm going to put myself, yes, sometimes it gets so heated to where um, fights do break out. But when you are a perfectionist and you know how this go, I'm not mm-hmm. just your local person jumping in a pageant. I know how to judge, you know? So therefore, when you cross the line, it's consequences, whatever they may be. But yeah, that's, that's just the truth. Here's Giselle Barbie Royale. It had come in so many different ways. I competed in pageants where I had other titles under my belt at the time. Mm-hmm. And I had my promoters trying to encourage the other promoters for the pageant that I was competing in, trying to encourage them not to crown me um, uh, you know, because they want, oh my God. Me, they pretty much wanted me to themselves mm. or sometimes you may, you may, um, have people that are connected with other people that may not care for you or simply just judges. I've mm. had, I've had judges not judge me fairly because their child or their sister or their daughter was in the pageant and they uh. were judging. And so they judged me you know, unfairly. So, yeah. and that was, and that was the, the passion that I was just talking about. That was, um, that was kind of like what happened. You know, you had, that individual had different people on the judges panel that were in their favor and mm-hmm. I was in their hometown. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, sometimes when you go to a person's hometown where they're, where they're uh, revered and, and, and dear, you run the chance of not being judged fairly. And here's Candace Kane on judging a pageant. Have you like judged uh, pageants? I've judged some prelims. Um, okay. I've never judged like the big national pageants before. Oh. It's difficult because you all, you know, you're always thinking like you have these superstars that come in and do these talent numbers where you're like, oh my God, they they are going to snatch, but then they walk out in evening gown and <laughs> with two shredded pieces of fabric. And you're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> and people don't realize like it all adds up, points add up, you know? So, um, but for the most part, you know, pretty much everyone has an idea who the top five is going to be usually because of the what they've seen the night before in the prelim night. Right. And it sometimes is like, it feels like it's a certain girl's year. It's like her moment. And everybody knows that. Totally. When I came back, everyone knew that I was going to snatch. But to you, you don't know that. You're, you are in a fever rush. Like you're like, they're coming for me. They're all coming for me. I mean, my biggest competition, I think was Erica Andrews. Mm. who is one of my best friends and she's passed also. Um, and she won later, 
Miss um, Continental, but you know she she was a force to be re- reckoned with. You know, oh. if, if Erica Andrews is nipping at your toes, honey, you got something to worry about. You know? <laughs> yes. Ladies and gentlemen, and those who have yet to decide, here's Kennedy Davenport. I'm just mini pageants. <laughs> I just mini pageants. Some pageants I don't like judging because. I, it, it may be more than one person that I know and that I'm very close with. And I don't like being in that position. It makes me feel so bad. And even though if I, even though I'm judging fairly, it's still just because I be wanting everybody to win, girl. And, you know, it's just hard. It's so, it makes it so hard. So I'll either opt out of judging or I put myself in a position to make sure that um, the scores and everything are consistent and right and the pageant is fair you know so yeah i just oh just so hard girl so (laughs) (laughs) that is the hardest thing to ever do is judge people that you really really care about and it's more than one you know and we'll be right back after this break with more pageant pod girl get your ones face them up Welcome back to our show, Patch Podge. Yeah, Patch A few <laughs> weeks ago, we were lucky enough to talk with Mimi Marks, who is a legendary entertainer from Chicago. Mm-hmm. She is the epitome of a showgirl, honestly. She's fabulous and beautiful and talented and many other adjectives and has been a professional in this industry for many years. And Mimi won Miss Continental in 1992. And we had a great conversation about her career and her life. I just wanted to share that with you and her Mackies and her themes. Can you list all of your titles and crowns or is that uh, even possible? <laughs> I, I, I probably can. Um, I might skip a few in the early days, but the very first pageant was Miss Waterloo. That is mm. Waterloo, Iowa. And that was in, I think, 1998. Oh, no, 1988. <laughs> uh, 1988. <laughs> Then I moved to uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I, I think my first pageant I won there was Miss Kenosha. And then, then I won Miss Southeast Wisconsin. Then I went on to win Miss Wisconsin, which was just a pageant that they have in Wisconsin. It's not a preliminary to any other one beyond that. But during the reign of that, I moved to Chicago. And uh, that was in 1990. And then 1992, I won Miss Continental. Mm. And 2004, I won the world's most beautiful transsexual. And then 2005, I won Miss International Queen. So that's it. Wow. She knows her resume. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's it. Work. <laughs> Work. Yeah. After Miss Continental, I swore I was not. That was it for me. <laughs> I was done. Like, I, I'm not really, a, like, I don't love competing. I love performing. And right. so the competition part, like, the buildup to that night is so stressful and so... Mm. 
you know, it's just so much and it costs so much and it's just stressful. And so after Continental, I was like, oh, never enter another pageant again. But the world's most beautiful transsexual pageant came along and it was supposed to be the top eight girls were going to uh, be in a Las Vegas show. We were going to get to yeah. move to Vegas and be in a show. And so I was like, oh. I could care less about the pageant. I want to work in Las Vegas. Like that seemed yeah. so grand and it never happened. So it kind of sucked. Yeah. Was that trend? But that was Trantasia, right? That was Trantasia. Yeah. yeah. So when did you get the uh, interest in uh, entering pageants? I, um, to be honest, I never, I never really had the interest to do it. I, the mm. first one, of course, Miss Waterloo and at the old Dutch mill in Waterloo, Iowa, it was just the thing to do. It was more like a show. We were so drunk. I was completely <laughs> trashed at the end of it. You know what I, mean? I don't even remember the crowning. Me too. Oh my I totally don't remember. And, and probably like a few months later, I left town. I moved to Milwaukee. So I never even came back and gave up my crown or anything. Um, but then once I got to Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, I was working in a club 219. And mm-hmm. the show director there, Ginger Spice, she really kind of took me under her wing and she was very close with a lot of the people from the baton and very close with Jim Flint. So continental was a big deal. Um, and so she kind of got me to, to doing some pageants there in Wisconsin, but literally the first time I went to Miss continental, I was like, I will never do this. I could not believe how beautiful the girls were and like, it was the year that Kelly Lauren won, but in the pageant that year was Kelly Lauren and Shantae, who is now Alexander Billings and um, mm. Amber Richards and Whitney Carlisle and all these girls that were just like, they all had boobs and they all had bodies and they were just so amazing that, and I was at the beginning of my career. I didn't even know that it was going to be a career. I was like, I just couldn't believe that, you know, I would even be in a show that they would pay me money to do drag. Um, <laughs> so I didn't think anything. I was like, I will never do this. And there, you have to, you have to do this. And lo and behold, two years later, <laughs> there I was doing <laughs> there the badges. So, yeah. I wanted to ask you if you had any feelings on um, Miss Gay US of A, because they didn't allow um, trans women to compete and participate. Um, did, did that directly affect your decision to join Continental? Were there ever any girls well, like that try to take on that system? Actually, Miss USA, you, you can. They do have trans girls. There has been quite mm-hmm. a few trans girls who have won USA, but Miss America, you can't. Sorry. Miss My Gay bad. America, you can't. Oh, the, like, right, that one. That, yeah, that's and supposedly, the like, you can't have body work or you can't have no. this or that. And I'm like, have you seen <laughs> some of the people that I'm like, they're like, her in male interview. Yes, like yeah. in a suit, but fully pumped lips and cheeks. And I'm like, um, but I, I, I ended up in Continental because I, I was working at the Baton and it's like hand in hand. You know what I mean? The right. owner of the Baton is the owner of Miss Continental. So that's how I ended up with that. And like I said, once I won that, 
I was like, I don't, I don't ever want to run again. I don't ever want to enter another pageant. I'm good. It's right. too much. It's too much stress. I just don't like it. I love performing and I want to do as many shows as I can do in my lifetime. But the competition part was just too much. But, yeah. and then, yeah. And then always, I mean, for years, people were like, are you going to do USA? Are you going to do USA? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you never say never. And yeah. It's just, I don't know. It just, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Do you remember how much your, um, your winning package cost at Continental your year by any chance? I have fortunately for me back in those days, there were still some really, really good sponsors. And mm. so for Continental, I had a sponsor who like, I mean, I think I did a couple of benefit shows where I raised money. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, he like took care of everything. And then my swimsuits for Continental, they were um, Bob Mackey swimsuits that oh, were wow. from Bob Mackey. They were like, they Breaking were the samples. The yeah, they were the samples from the runway. And my sponsor oh. and Chili Pepper both were very good friends of Bob Mackey. And he let me use both the swimsuits for the oh prelim night God. and the final night. Yeah. Chili. Oh when I got that And I also wore Bob Mackey gowns, two Bob Mackey gowns and those swimsuits again when I did the world's most beautiful transsexual. Mm, He let me use. So beautiful. Girl, I literally was like, (laughs) Chili Pepper was like, let's do, you know, I'll ask him again. Maybe, you know, you never know. Maybe he'll let you use a gown. And I was like, yeah, like if he does, I mean, that would be amazing, like gorgeous. So she called him and all of a sudden she's like, oh, girl, I got this box in the mail for you from Bob Mackey. And I was like, okay, gorgeous. <gasps> and it was like $50,000 worth. It was two beaded gowns and oh the two God. swimsuits and all the accessories and everything. Oh. I mean, it was amazing. So I'm like, I don't know if I know what to do with all of this. Mind you, the gowns were like for the models. Like they were size sixes. I, from that minute, I never ate anything besides lettuce leaves for like three months. And I went to the gym every single day. I did not drink. I did not do a thing. I worked, I worked harder for that than I've ever worked for anything because I was like, I'm wearing these two fucking Bob Mackie gowns. If I have to like, I couldn't even like, it was 110 degrees in Las Vegas for the pageant. And I was freezing cold the whole time. And my friend, my best friend, Kim is like, eat something. You've got to eat. You're right. freezing because you're oh a skin God. and bone. You're one of the first openly um, trans runway models. You were signed with the Ford agency. Well, um, now we can clear something up that we're all here on this podcast. I never was signed with Ford agency. You weren't? I know oh. it. I know it says that I know it says that on Wikipedia. And it also says I'm from Old Wine, Iowa, which I've never lived in Old Wine. So whoever does Wikipedia has, I guess, done me a favor my whole life because people (laughs) have always thought that I was signed with Ford. I was signed with an agency here in Chicago called 
uh, Arlene Wilson and I did okay. do a lot of stuff with them and I did do a lot of runway and I was on some covers of some magazines and stuff. But uh, unfortunately, no, I was not a Ford model, but I love okay. Arlene. I think I Ar- was. Arlene Wilson sounds a lot like Eileen Ford. So I see how exactly. they got that. I see. Exactly. That's what I always thought. And like, because I don't know where that ever came from, but that's my only thing that I could have ever thought was that those two names were kind of similar, but. Maybe you can clear this one up because I yeah, didn't know see about who this. Where came from? <laughs> this is on the this is on the outline. It says you may have uh, dated Dennis Rodman of the Chicago <laughs> Bulls briefly. Is that one true? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if dating would be the word. Oh, okay, all right, good. I, well. I I will say that for the few years that he played here in Chicago we were very good friends and we hung out a lot and we went to a lot of great restaurants and we shopped at a lot of fabulous places and we had a really good time a lover a lover of fine foods and nice things exactly (laughs) a commonality that many stars share and tall and dark and you know all that so I'm good it was fun Wow. But no, he was never, I would have never, ever called him my boyfriend, but we had a good time. (laughs) You can read between the lines if you want to. (laughs) All right. I'm reading Braille right now. (laughs) (laughs) Tap, tap on all the dots. Um, One of my favorite things that you've said, um, because I, I I hate the Cubs. I'm a I'm a Cardinals <laughs> fan, but um, you said something about being passable as a trans woman, stating if you could walk through Wrigleyville like during a Cubs game and not get spooked and not have anybody call you out, you were the girliest girl and you made it. And you yes. said that you called a friend and said, "I'm at a Cubs game on first base, eleventh yes. row. I made it. I'm a girl." <laughs> yes, that's my best daywalking, honey. Yes, that was my best friend Kim, um, who's actually here at my house right now and uh, we've been best friends for 30 plus years and she has actually done my hair and makeup and and helped me in every pageant that I've ever done uh, since I moved to Chicago so she has a lot to do with me being who I am today but yeah she lived like I mean because Wrigley Field is in the middle of Chicago it's like in the middle of the city so she lived like in the block like two blocks down the street and so we always would say that was like oh shit we got to go to work and there's a Cubs game and we were usually pretty stoned and we would just like have to walk (laughs) through and be like if we can make it through you know we're good like if nobody says anything and so we were like that day I went to the Cubs game and I was like a fucking Cubs game like <laughs> nobody is even looking at me crazy I have made it I'm a girl I am a total girl now <laughs> you are not only like just really talented and such a like such a prominent figure in this world of like drag and like performing and pageants but like you also are so in in these movies like Trantasia or in the Queens like whenever you're interviewed you're you're just you're just fucking fantastic you're like you're so you're so um you're you're so able to just like you're so fucking just like personable and hilarious and like um 
um, kind hearted and it like, it shows through and just like, I, I just, I can't, I can't get enough of you. I'm obsessed. Well, thank you. That makes me so feel so good because I was like, when they reached out to me to do this, I was like, me? Like, they want to talk to me? Seriously? I'm like, I love you guys. And so I'm so honored that you even would want to like, talk to me about this so it's the, really cool the honor is all ours thank you so much Truly. for coming on our, no, thank our little, you. Our thank little you. patch podge so as mentioned in our interview mimi is featured in a film called trantasia which is about a las vegas pageant uh the most beautiful transsexual pageant that was mostly staged just for the film and also to help promote a vegas residency type show that never ended up happening or did it um this film is a little bit hard to find um it's very uh indicative of the time period in which it was made um but it's worth finding and watching if you can find it um what i had to do was i i purchased the dvd and then i realized i didn't have a dvd player so then i purchased the dvd player and so that's how i i've been able to watch uh Trantasia. Have you seen it? How wonderful for you. Yes, I've definitely <laughs> seen it. I've loved this for very a long time. It's where I think I first saw Maria Roman. Oh, I love Maria Roman. Yeah. Um, this this is a wonderful, wonderful piece of history. Check it out. Buy it on DVD. Worship it. Show your friends. Pass it around. Pay it forward. And we will be right back with this after more Patch Podge. Welcome back to Pageant Pod. It's time to discuss our favorite subject. Pageant! No, our favorite subject is actually sabotage. Sabotage! Where's my bag? Laurel, where's my dress? Who took my dress? Give her her feather fans. This just won't do. Where's her pomp? Give her her pomp. Show her the same respect that you would want to be shown yourself. It's a size 14 and a half. (laughs) Most of the queens we spoke to haven't experienced any of these uh, horrible sabotaging things directly. As it oh, seems, I know it's, horror. <laughs> as it seems, it's more of an old school tradition. But let's hear a little bit more about some backstage gotcha moments of pageants past. Here's Kennedy Davenport. I've always heard legends of like the old days of pageantry where there would be some shady, awful shit that goes on. Uh, Uh, Have you ever heard of any of these things? Like the, the ripping of the seams out of the dress. Like did, did these things, have you ever heard of any of this stuff? Oh yes. It used to happen, baby. I mean, I came in on the end of um, the shady, um, crazy stuff. I mean, I started doing drag in '96. Yeah, I used to hear the stories like the the like the like the glass in the the light bulb, the crystal of the light bulb in the powders, and girls' gowns coming up missing before gown, and like 
the treacherous stuff, yeah. And it was really it, like it was really heavy, like in Dallas, and not not Dallas, but in Texas, because it used to be Texas used to be the pageant mecca and uh, drag mecca, and it still kind of is, you know. But um, oh yes, it happened, boo. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't. I'm glad I wasn't because I definitely probably would have been a victim of it because, you know, a lot of people are intimidated, was, you know, intimidated of me, honey. They see me in the pageant and or they hear I'm in the pageant, they drop out. Let's see what a curious e. Davenport has to say. Well, back in the day, I've heard stories. It's, it's never happened to me. I've heard stories of girls putting broken glass in a set, in another girl's setting pattern. Mm. Now, I've never had that happen to me. I, I honestly don't know how I would react to my face bleeding or being cut up because I know another girl has put like glass in my setting powder. You I just do, you, hey DJ, play Leona Lewis, Bleeding Love. Uh, no, ma'am. <laughs> hey DJ, call the ambulance, the police department, and somebody to bail me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I've heard nice. like girls cut up dresses in the bag. I've saw girls like, you know, put put makeup on other girls' stuff. Um, the list goes mm. on like it gets it gets really cutthroat and shady. Do you know? Um, you know, uh, she used to work at uh, Louisville at Play. She sprayed um, adhesive all over a girl's whole station, her makeup, everything, <gasps> at the whole station. So the girl got off stage and she thought everything was fine. And then she sat down and started sticking. Oh hell! <laughs> yeah, she got fired. Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, no, I'd be so mad and because I hate you just... spray adhesive. Oh, the worst. Oh, yeah. I absolutely hate spray adhesive. So oh. I would have been over it because, like, back when I was younger, <laughs> my gay mom used to, like, so determined to win a pageant, girl. We used to spray adhesive clothes to our body. And it takes uh-huh. three to four days to get that shit off, get that stuff off your skin. So at this point, I don't even touch it. And then you never know where the spray adhesive is actually going to spray because, bitch, it'll be sitting in a can. And then you get ready to hit that butt and it'll squirt to the left. It'll, it'll shoot to the right, bitch, and it's in your eye. No, I just avoid it. Yeah, that clog <laughs> nozzle will get you every time. Yes, ma'am. She will get you. <laughs> Here's Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington, but you can call her Gabby. The only time that I feel there was sabotage possibly you know, towards me, I chopped it up as just a mistake. And that was actually, um, and you guys would know it because the dancers improvised. It was the year at Continental when I did um, Dream Girls. My dancers actually came back late for the fan routine. And I was out there alone until they actually made it back. And that's because they were scrambling, trying to find the fans. And someone had put our fans under something else but you know to everyone's defense that continental is a small space Mm, everyone is on top of each other so it could have possibly just gotten misplaced so that's the only time i could consider possibly sabotage but again i chopped it up as just a mistake it's always the feather fans. Well, you're gracious. You're a gracious (laughs) you're a gracious gal. (laughs) People are always (laughs) messing with the feather fans. About to come through we got Miss Tamisha Iman it always has to do with the cities that you go to. Like Atlanta, we, we're we too close, so you can't come with the, the shenanigans, you know, as right. entertainers. But like, I've been, let me tell you. So uh, I was at a pageant one time and the lady, one of these, 
I, I can't call her name, but this entertainer admired me. She said, oh my God, you're going to be my, my daughter. And I'm looking like, okay, I got no drag mother though. But nevertheless, um, <laughs> she said, she tapped me on the shoulder. She was like, check your bag when you get home. So I'm like, I'm thinking she'd have gave me a gift. This lady has put <laughs> someone else's gown in my bag. <laughs> so me saying, because the big thing was like, and mind you, I'm standing outside and the, the person gown it was, he was arguing with the lady. was like, um, and I know you got my gown. I know you got my gown. I was like, Miss Dang, I ain't got your gown. Get out my face. So we're standing outside watching this. The lady is tearing up everything, trying to find a gown. And my little butt get back to the room, opening my suitcase and be like, <gasps> I say, you know what? I took that gown right back. I said, baby, I don't know how your, your gown got in my bag, but I do not steal. And ever since then, I'm glad it happened because it allowed me to see this really does happen because I had heard stories. And after we spoke to Aurora Sexton, she remembered a wild story that she just had to tell us. So she recorded this and sent it in to Padge Podge. This one is really shocking, so let's take a listen. See, this is a good sister. She said, let me voice note this to those bitches. <laughs> Thanks, Aurora. This was back in the 90s. Uh, there was a queen competing at Miss Continental, and she um, was a notorious booster um and all her kids you know they would just snatch things for her left and right i mean she was legendary at at theft and so she came out for evening gown competition this gorgeous bob mackie dress and bob mackie happened to be a judge well there were only two of those gowns ever made in existence one of them bob mackie knew where it was the other was taken off Cindy Crawford at gunpoint. So you can imagine Bob Mackey's reaction when he saw this queen walk out in this dress. As soon as she finished modeling and walked off the stage, she caught straight out of it. Her kids came and ran with it out of the building. Bob, they stopped the pageant. Bob Mackey comes back um, with the owner, Jim, and he's like, where's the dress? What dress, darling? What dress? The one you just wore? I don't know what you're talking about. And that is how Cindy Crawford lost her dress. And of course, we wanted to take a moment to speak with Tamisha Iman about her daughter, Tandy, and her iconic history-making, trend-setting, groundbreaking, uh, life-changing, and apparently heel-breaking entrance for her I Need a Hero talent number. Did her heel break when she flew down from the ceiling and she did the whole yes. number on a snapped heel? Right. So, okay. So I, I, my babies, like I'm, I'm always hand on with my kids and, um, Tandy had just came from Memphis. So I, I painted her for that contest. And oh, work. yeah, wow. so I, we were oh, there. So you were in the room. You saw that? Oh, I, I did her that night of the patch. Yeah. We, um, we wow. put that together. Tell so me everything. My, <laughs> so after registration, Tandy was uh, Tandy was such a big baby. I she would say, "Mama." That's how she talked all the time. Didn't matter where we were, her mother could be beside me, and she would say, "Mama." So her thing was, "Mama, I got an idea," and I was like, "What, girl?" Because her ideas are always out the box. She said, "I want to come out the ceiling." I said, "What?" She said, "I want to fall out the ceiling." 
And Tandy would have fallen out of the ceiling regardless of me helping her or not, because that's her mindset. My thing is, Lord, let me help my baby get in this ceiling so she won't kill herself. You know what I'm saying? So, but the, the thing about Tandy is Tandy was fearful. Like, her thing, she wanted to actually try it while the, all the contestants were there. And I was like, no, this is a secret weapon. You gotta, we're gonna wait for everybody mm-hmm. leave. So we waited till everybody left. And <laughs> we I showed her how to get up there the correct way. And she had to actually go up like a number before hers. <laughs> so Tandy is up there while the next the, the contestant before her is performing, and she's just hanging out, waving at me. Hey mama, I'm fine. I'm like, oh my lord, my child's so crazy. So but at rehearsal we kept going through it. And when she dropped down the first time, she was like, oh, okay, we can go. I said, no, ma'am, you getting back up here. I got to make sure you can do this again. So she got up there. She did it again. And the Superman that was with her, his name is D. That's another one of my sons. And they used to work amazingly together. He was the first uh, male twirler at Jackson State. Um, So, but that night, um, when Tandy fell down, I noticed she was dancing on, um, the tip of her toes. Tandy don't really dance like that. She danced on her tips, but it's a balance. She keeps the balance. But I noticed she kept dancing on her tip of her toes. So when she came out, she when she came off the stage, she was like, did you see it? <laughs> I said, see what? It was good. She told me, no, mama, I broke my heel when I came down. Oh, <laughs> like, my word. Like, Tandy, you broke your heel in the beginning. She said, yeah. She said, you know, child, I'll be dancing on my toes. I don't care. And that was just my, my baby had the most beautiful spirit. I promise you, and this is no lie. One of the reasons why I went to drag race is because if she would have gotten there, that we talked about that, but if she would have gotten there, it would have been her whole difference in her life. And oftentimes what I do with a lot of my kids that have passed, I go, I try to take their spirit places that I know they will want to go. So my yeah. thing is, I didn't even tell the 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 network about Tandy. I don't even know how that came about. I didn't bring that. to It wasn't in any of my um, pre-recorded anything. Mm. So once I got there, I knew I had did the right thing because it highlighted her. Yeah. And that was yeah, amazing for, sure. for me. But <laughs> Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. We'll be right back after this break with more Patch Podge. Welcome back to Pageant Pod. Another amazing queen that we got to interview is Sasha Colby. Okay. Yeah. Snap, snap, snap. snap. Two snaps and a clap. Sasha (laughs) Sasha won Miss Continental in 2012, and she's a cast member of Sasha Velour's Nightgowns. She's a choreographer, a performer, and she's really, really all-around talented, so lovely, so gorgeous, so brilliant. So here's our interview with Sasha Colby about her pageant experiences. We like to start off um, with our guests by asking them to list off all of their titles and crowns. Can you do ah. that? All right. <laughs> well, I am a former Miss Continental 2012. Mm. Before mm. that, I won a few prelim pageants to qualify, which was in West Virginia, Hawaii, and Pennsylvania. 
Um, yes, Hawaii. Oh, come yeah. on, Hawaii. And then I was like a backyard pageant. Like it was a beach pageant when I was like, we were still like growing up as kids. And you'd have to like, it was on 4th of July. <laughs> And it was literally on the beach. You had to make your own dress out of like whatever flowers were around or like whatever beach blankets you could find. Then you had to do a showgirl with like plants and then you did a talent. And so I won this Koalina. Thank you so much. (laughs) Okay. So you've been training early. Okay. Now I get it. You started training us. They started us early. They would, they were, I would have my go-go juice and all, you know. I love that. (laughs) When did you like first become aware of like the pageantry world? And um, when did you say, oh, I want to run for that? I want to I run for that crown. Um, like I, I started in dance before I, like, I came out as gay even. So mm-hmm. even my friends there were like, girl, you're gay. But they took me to my first like drag show and it's just very, it's all pageant girls in Hawaii. I mean, everybody wants to be Miss Continental. So that's why I even knew about that pageant was from my drag family and like the ones that turned me out. <laughs> and then, and then uh, with like dancing and stuff, all my friends were like, going to like work at Disney after high school and like they're doing like cruise ships you know as dancers and I'm like oh I'm just like the trans girl that cannot like get the booking like as a dancer um everyone's going off to like dance for like famous artists and then I was like I think the pageant is like the perfect way for me to still like stay entertaining while like kind of doing like what my friends are doing but in my own in my own lane from them but that's what made totally. me like, say, okay, let me just do this pageant real quick. And it was the only way you could get out of Hawaii. Like, you know, like mm. you couldn't really like be a working drag queen. Like you'd have to have other jobs. I mean, you have to have a lot of jobs just to like live in Hawaii in general. But Gee. like, I mean, that was the way to get out and like get to the mainland. So, you know, you could hobnob with Erica Andrews and Mimi Marks and all them <laughs> children, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, what was what was your first pageant like? Did you did you place? Um <laughs> yeah, well, like the first pageant I ever won, I think it was like the prelim I won the first time I ran Continental. Because I only just I've only done Continental. That's the only pageant I've ever like focused on. So like I started 2005 when Erica Andrews was Miss Continental and I won mm. Hawaii. And she was there. And wow. they didn't think I was going to win. I was not the front runner. I was by far like the monkey wrench because like the other two were like very well-known artists in Hawaii. And they were kind of like the ones that were going to be the ones. And then <laughs> my ass came along. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much do you remember? Did you pay for your, your package the year that you won Continental? Ooh, was it five ooh. digits or four digits? Over 10, <laughs> under 10. Oh my gosh, like, like one gallon was 10. Like one gallon was like Oh eight. my God. Oh. Oh. <laughs> like um, another gallon was like yeah, seven or eight. And that was, I mean, the ponytail alone was a thousand. Your talent ponytail? Yes, because it was oh. like estimated like half Japanese and half um like peruvian so like some would stay behind and then the, the japanese one would like fly harder and heavier girl it was a whole it was <gasps> different 
Honestly, oh I don't, it, and this may sound insulting, but like I watch your talent so often, at least once a month or so. And I don't remember your gown from that just because that purple jumpsuit with the black hair, like that's, that's so emblazoned in my mind as like the, the thing that won that year. Like it was yeah, the best. That was, that was the one that got the most pictures. I must say. Wow. <laughs> Honestly, um, there was the a whole cheese was like board this- of Gaganzola. It was a, uh- <laughs> It was a silver liquid beaded gown that we found the people that do like the Miss USA and Miss Universe pageants. And it was like liquid beaded the whole way. And then we got foxtails, which isn't very PC now. <laughs> uh, the, you know what? The, the foxes volunteered. They, they said it was fine. <laughs> um, it was vintage. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> How long did it take you to prepare for Miss Continental? Like, well, the the time that I won, uh, it took about, like, a year of, like, kind of just, like, getting myself together and, like, yeah. putting it all together. Um, but before that, I was first runner-up the last time I won. I mean, I mm-hmm. ran. I was first runner-up in 2009, and I, like, stayed. I, I took a break till 2012. So I kind of had ah. some, a lot of time to, like, really think about a lot of like just know what brand i wanted to sell like because you know Mm -hmm. when you're in a pageant yeah you're selling your brand and you got to know what you're selling before you can sell it to these people you got to know what you know can and cannot do like it's boundaries it's limits you know and um and know that when to like silence the noise and know that your voice is the one that counts instead of other people like you should do this again Mm. like you should do that telling me you should go up there First of all, get in a deep squat. Get <laughs> nine and go up there. First of all, <laughs> yeah. Who, did your talent? I mean, I, I hate to come back to it again, but I love to come back to it all the time. Like, did you come up with that mix? Were you next to the guy with the computer? Were you like, no, 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 that there. That I'm gonna do the ponytail there. How did that come about? Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a group effort. Like I was working a lot, and Preston, my best friend Preston, who like the guy who like puts me together. He paint he paints Janet everything. a lot, right? And like Janet, all the girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was and Ooh, yes. he's amazing. And then my mom was like right there to my drag mom, Cassandra Colby, who does Janet's hair. Um, ah. And they really, well, he was like making the mix. I told him like kind of what we wanted. Like all the songs were like coming together, but he helped finesse like how it all like flowed. And then one of my dancers actually did the mix. So like there were times I'm like, I want one more crack right here. And like, so yeah, I was totally doing all that. And then (laughs) we put the number together. They came in a week before the pageant. Um, We hadn't had rehearsals and I couldn't really go to rehearsals. So they were rehearsing for like most of the time. And then when I finished work, whenever I could, I would have, I would jump in and it was going good. We got it in my drag brother gill who's janet jackson's like creative director and choreographer also from hawaii in the same dance studio and he came in and like cleaned them up so good because he's like sasha's just gonna jump in and she's gonna do her thing and we're gonna frame her so know where you guys Mm -hmm. are so it's like all crisp and like the he came up with like the like you're gonna go like grab them like dogs and the Mm -hmm. that was Gill for sure, and then I added the headwear. <laughs> wow! But it was very like, and I did some of the choreography. I did the the Roshi Murphy part, the royalty part. Um, yeah, kind of was ad libbing some of the stuff too. Didn't really know what I was going to do until that time. 
What would you say is the difference between like Miss Continental and the other pageant systems? Um, I definitely, I mean, I'm just partial to Miss Continental just because of the, I, I just seen where all the dolls were. And like, Gee. that was, that was like trans, very trans positive. And absolutely, like even, even the boy queens would turn it out, you know, and like would mm-hmm. give illusions, you know? So that just was always my aesthetic and what I liked, but I also love, uh, uh, US of A because it's like, it's like straight up talent gown. You look pretty. Yeah. Can you move? Let's go. So like, <laughs> I love that. And there's so many prelims just like alone for that pageant. So you can really, you know, make how much you spent on your package worth it, hopefully in like your reign and try to make it back. Um, I love entertainer of the year. That was just so creative, but I just never mm. like nothing ever like really jumped at me. Like continental did. Must I think yeah. it's the girls that's won. Like, you know, they're just like our versions of the supermodels back then, you know, like they all kind of looked like the supermodels. And like there was an Ava Ertzigo for me, it looked exactly like her. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Monica looked like, Monica looked like uh Lindy Evangelista. <laughs> yeah, just the beauties. <laughs> Have you ever felt like um there was like rigging going on or like favoritism? Uh, like, have you ever witnessed that or gotten the feeling that like it was rigor, rigamorous? <laughs> I feel like there's definitely like for like crowd mentality, especially for like mm. if, if somebody's got a big old drag family, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. be really hot in the, in the house and they're going to be making it known. Yeah. Where then if that person doesn't get it, it just looks like she was robbed or like some like stuff went down when it was just, you know, case of being loud in the audience. If you know what I mean? Like, was it necessarily mm-hmm. like she could have, I, I don't think it would have been rigged. I don't think I see rigs. Cause I mean, if it, if it was rigged, I would have won like three years before. And like that would have been it. That would have been that. Work for it, honey. <laughs> they said you're coming now. <laughs> and actually, I worked for for like the baton who owns Continental. I think he was like harder on me. Like he's like harder on the ones mm. that work there. So he was not like letting me. Like everybody was there rehearsing, and then I had to still do all three shows. And like, like they were. He just didn't want anybody to think that he was giving me the favoritism. I know I felt that. right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I sometimes feel like they're like, if you show up and you're really, really great, they're like, we kind of want you to come back next year because you were so good. So, yeah. like, if you were this good this year, yeah. So, oh, if yeah. you win, you won't be competing. So, like, it kind of behooves them to be like, you're not going to win the, this time, but yeah. try again. We want, we want to see you again. We really want to see you again. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite thing about the world of pageantry and your least favorite thing? My favorite thing about the world of pageantry, I mean, I it makes me smile so much. Like I I think it's like my natural like like, I don't know, Prozac lithium, whatever. (laughs) Weed. (laughs) Like it makes me like if I'm sad, I match, I'll just happen to smile. I'll put on a Miss Venezuela pageant. It's like my favorite. Like (laughs) like, (laughs) Miss Universe, old Miss Universe pageants, like like 
give me everything. So I really love the ultimate like glamour and beauty and just like, like, uh, you know, high femme goddess energy. And yeah. the thing I like the least about pageants is probably that um, the pageants probably don't get as enough recognition um, that it should. And really like having done a lot for like our history and really being a, mm. a, an outlet for um, people all over in like these small towns that I visit all the time, you know, like in like Monroe, Louisiana and like all these places there, they have the same dreams that we all did when we were like in our yeah. rooms, you know, they want to be the glamour girls. They want the rhinestones. And um, I think that there should be like more, I don't know. I love that y'all are doing this. And I think this is like the right way, like the right direction to like really get everybody like knowing the history because you all know it really well. Right. And that's why like you all respect and love. And that's how you're successful is because of all the, the people that came before us, you know? So yeah. I, I hope that it happens. Thank you. Well, and I, I also, I feel like, I mean, you were talking about like watching pageants and just like loving it. It's also like, there's something like energetic about it because it's like, it's not really, it's kind of about if you have the right clothes and the right hair and the right, this swimsuit and whatever, but really it's like the winners or people, you know, are going to make it far, have an energy and a confidence that is coming from inside yes, that like I'm, you can't buy that. Yeah. It's the magic. It's really the magic. Yes. I mean, you see the pageant, you know, the one that has it. Like you can just tell yeah. that we said, you're like, Oh, she, she you, like, she's just touched with like this glow walking around. It. Yeah, and it's really when you find yourself, I notice every girl really understands who they are when they win. They're not doing yeah. what they think they should do or what other friends are yeah. telling them to do. They're like unapologetically them. And yes. it's relaxed. That's what it really is. They're so relaxed mm. that like they got it. Mm -hmm. They're like in it, in the eye of the storm. What is it about the Hawaiian girls? All of you are so beautiful. Cool. You, Candace, oh, who, like all of you are goddesses. <laughs> like it's the water, man. It must be the water. It must be the sun. The water. Ah, it's, it's true. It's the, it's the warm. I mean, you, you, you get that when you get a taste of it when you both go to Hawaii, right? Like you feel oh, that. Oh my god! I never want to leave. You really do. Yeah. 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 The sun hits different. It hits different. It is. <laughs> Honey, somebody's son hit me different there, and I loved it. Oh. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us on Little Padge Podge, darling. Thanks, yeah, thank babies. you. Uh, you're you amazing. Thank you. Thank you we so love you much. Too. It was a pleasure. And we mentioned a few times in our interview, but we have to take a look at Sasha's winning continental number from uh, 2012. This talent is probably one of my favorite talents ever. I watch it at least once a month and it's a must watch and it will be added to the forever dog patch podge playlist on YouTube. Check it out and be stunned by the precision, the ponytail, the puss. It's required viewing. Let's watch. Actually, let's give our response. Oh my God. This is the makeup on the dancers. Fierce. She said all queens think they're fierce. I said, Miss Dick, all queens and me. And me. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, ponytail. The sound effects, the like neck cracking sound effect. 
It's everything a drag number should have. Yes. She is literally a tigress. She's such a good actress. Oh. We like can't even speak. We're just no, arrested. We're just like thousand dollar <laughs> ponytail mesmerized. Body, hips, precision, arms, dancers. I don't think I can take much more of this. <laughs> the yes, mix is so good. Bitch. Y'all go watch this Girl, now. Please. Yeah, like drink yourself. Right uh, that's an iconic moment. So good. Oh my gosh. I love watching that. Yeah. No, we have one final video before we wrap this episode up. Asia O'Hara mentioned a very iconic and highly emotionally charged pageant moment from Tandy Andrews performing at Miss Continental. So we're going to take a look at that right now. Again, this will be up on the playlist on Forever Dog. So get into it. Uh Another iconic moment is... um the very famous Tandy Andrews. Um, she was Miss National. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong with the details, but she had the um, the crown taken from her. So at Miss Continental, she's performing in the Miss National crown. She's doing The Greatest Love of All by um, Whitney Houston. This is on, oh, yeah. on uh, YouTube. They say, you can take what you want from me, but you can't take away my dignity. She takes a crown off and slides it across the stage, <gasps> like in the most grandeur I've ever seen. So that to me is an iconic, iconic moment. It's and when I tell you two pins, two pins and slid it, it was like magic across the stage. Oh, this is the moment. Because she had been, she, what? She had been stripped of the crown? Mm-hmm. And so when she says, you can't take away my dignity... She snatches the crown off her head and throws it to the side of the stage. Oh my God, that Andrew's mug, honey. So beautiful. She takes out Bobby Pin 1. She takes out Bobby Pin pin 2. That's all it was. It's off. Slides it across the stage. Uh. Wow. So beautiful. So powerful. Uh. Beaded fringe. Like, just the most gorgeous. Uh, God. I don't ever want to lose another Andrews. They're so wonderful. Erica, Tandy, all of them. God bless wherever they are. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for joining us on Patch Podge this week. Yes. She's the beauty with the inquisitive mind. You know she's got a question to ask. Yeah. 
the current red-haired maven. She's your Miss I'll Have the Vegetarian option. It's Alaska! And she's the YouTubing beauty creator of glitters for your face and your body, representing Gem and every single hologram imaginable. She is your Miss I'll Have the Dairy-Free option. It's Willem! And we will be back next week to delight you with more pageantry, glamour, and of course a little backstage drama. And can you believe it? Next week is the finale of Page Pod, and we are going to talk about the future of drag pageants and focus on specifically drag queen of the year pageant competition award contest competition. I know the girl that does that. Oh, I've heard of her. So remember to check out the Pageant Pod playlist on the Forever Dog YouTube channel for all your pertinent video clips and references. It's just a good time over there watching Divas and Gowns. And honestly, it's been a good time this whole summer talking about these pages with you and sharing them with the world. I'm so delighted by doing this Page Pod with you. Absolutely, girl. You are you you win Miss Congeniality for sure. For, Thank for you so much. Yeah, definitely. Also, and um, you placed. You've definitely placed. You didn't even make the five, so don't ah! talk to me about ah! They eliminated me because I didn't have the same scarf that I wore in prelim night. Don't you dare. It's true. They docked points. Um, so also, okay, if you have any pageant-related news, behind-the-scenes stories or tidbits, amazing pageant clips, send them over to us at racechaserpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, and good night. Good evening, Chicago. Pageant Pod is a Forever Dog and Moguls of Media production hosted by Alaska and Willem. Produced by Big Dipper and Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli. Alaska Thunderfuck. Big Dipper. Red Bowen. Joe Cilio. And Alex Ramsey.